Good morning, friends. Oh, what a welcome. Just get my notes up. Everyone doing all right? A few of us are doing all right. Yeah, it's a real privilege to be here um, preaching this morning. Um, thankfully, Ed and Clive have taken the really difficult passages of kind of end of the world, judgment, and the devil, um, and I get to preach from this really beautiful passage this morning. Um, so if you'd like to turn with me to 1 Peter 5, verses 4 to 5, if you've got your Bible, or it'll be up here. If not, the rustling of pages. So 1 Peter 5, starting verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. So believe it or not, this is our 30th week in our series, Living Hope. We're doing this for 30 weeks, interspersed with other things, and we've been looking at how to live well um, amidst suffering and find joy in suffering as a follower of Jesus. And in today's passage, I'd like to explore a specific angle on living well. Um, I think it's something that affects me every day and often multiple times of the day, and hopefully it's equally relevant to you. And um, yeah, I hope, I hope you find it encouraging. And first, I'd ask you to be extremely vulnerable with each other. I've got a question that you can ask each other um, to kick us off. And the question is, what is the best fancy dress costume you've ever worn? So do turn to your neighbor. There is a point to this. Do turn to your neighbor. What is the best costume? And if you're watching online, do post in the chat. I'll be looking out. Don't want to leave you out. Anyone got any particularly exciting ones? Anyone care to shout out? Otherwise, I'm just going to have to embarrass Alex and say hers. Who else has got a particularly good fancy dress costume? What were you, Emma? What was this? Anyone got a particularly good costume I feel brave enough to share? It's a scary thing. Well, I'll just embarrass Alex. Her mum made her a Humpty Dumpty costume for World Book Day out of paper mache. And I would have loved to have had a photo to show us, but I don't. But um, yeah, dressing up. So I used to work as an opera singer, um, which involves quite a lot of dressing up, which is good fun, and getting paid for it, which is even, even better. And last summer, I was working for a company and we were doing two operas, and I was kind of one of these background characters, and I, um, I got to play about six different kind of tiny characters in that. So I was kind of a, a Russian peasant, um, I was a, a military captain, I was a guest at a ball, and, uh, and then in the other one, I was kind of this village idiot, and then my favorite one, I got to dress up as a nun. And again, I wish I'd bought pictures, but I don't, so I have to imagine it. Um, and so. And often it was in quick succession. I had to get out of one and get into another. And as each costume went on, I had to become a completely different character. The magic of theater. And um, today's passage, um, it talks about putting on clothing, uh, but not, not a nun's outfit, but we are to clothe ourselves in humility. And it's interesting that um, 
yeah, Peter talks to us about humility in the middle of this book that's kind of about how to survive suffering and um, trials. And I want to suggest that humility is the most powerful response or effective response to suffering. And so as we unpack this, Peter gives us three applications for humility um, in the text. And then I'd like to just share three reasons why I think the text says it's really important. And then really, really briefly at the end, I'll say just a little bit practically how we can do that. And I just want to say at the start, I'm not, um, yeah, I'm preaching this first to myself. Um, so please believe I'm not, you know, saying be humble without doing it myself. This is something I need to hear as much as anyone else. So, yeah, starting with the first uh, first line, it says, and you who, uh, sorry, that's not right, is it? And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. And last week, Ed shared wonderfully on Peter's instructions for elders. So this was verses one to three. Um, if you missed it, do go and take a listen. It was super encouraging. But just to give it a, a little recap, our, our verse flows out of it today. And verses one to three talks about eldership and the qualities and the kind of roles. Um, Peter says, elders must be shepherds of God's people to care for them and guide them. And good leadership is so important in times of suffering. And Peter concludes his message today with this line. It says, yeah, when the chief shepherd appears, when Jesus returns, there will be a reward. You will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Sounds pretty awesome. I think, um, yeah, there's a sense that when, we, when we've given our lives to Christ, we've been saved and we're eternally saved. But actually, there is a reward in heaven um, that goes beyond that. Actually, if we live a faithful life, if we and in leadership, there is a reward waiting for us. And this is Peter's encouragement. In times of suffering, remain humble, remain faithful to God, and there will be a reward. And the word for crown... Um, if you're interested, is a word Stephanon in the Greek, and it relates less to kind of a royal crown, um, but it's more of a kind of crown of victory, like at the Olympics, so it'd be a laurel wreath, um, olive branch around your head, and it's this, yeah, it's, um, a prize, it's a reward. Um, so firstly, elders under the great shepherd, that's the first um, application of humility. Secondly, Peter says, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. So if our first example is elders under the, um, under the authority of Jesus, then Peter's logic follows that those who are younger should submit to the authority of the elders. And there's a double meaning um, to both words elder and younger here. Um, but I think Peter is most likely addressing people in their 20s and 30s or newer to the faith, um, submitting not only to the um, you know, official elders of the church, but also to those who have lived faithfully, who've served Jesus for many years and have that, you know, that experience and that wisdom that comes with it. And what does it mean to submit? It's, um, it's a bit of a funny word these days. It's not, yeah, not massively attractive. And it, it does connote weakness in some kind of worldly context. Um, but if we break it down, again, I'm just, I've enjoyed looking at some Greek words this week, so just forgive me um, for, for going for it. But the word is hupotasso, and it means it's two words, meaning hupo, which is under, and tasso, which means to order or arrange. So it's that arranging yourself under um, the ordering, your, sorry, ordering yourself under the authority above you. 
And freedom is not the absence of boundaries or leadership. Um, in fact, in that absence, there's often chaos and there's pain. And yeah, that's not, that's not real true freedom. Um, freedom comes when there are good boundaries and there are good leaders. Um, if you take the example of sheep and shepherds, you know, if the, if the sheep had no pen and no shepherd, they'd, you know, they'd be off, off everywhere, down ditches and being attacked by bears and all that stuff. Um, and that's the same, you know, we need leaders, we need boundaries. And, and that's the, yeah, that's the model here. Elders are to shepherd us, to help us grow in our giftings, help us reach maturity. And those who are younger are called to submit um, to the wisdom and to the guidance of the elders. And there's no sense that anyone should feel squashed or suffocated under this leadership. You know, it's a, you know, like in a marriage, there's a mutual sense of um, encouraging, of building up, of putting the other first. And so that's my second application. And so elders under the authority of Jesus, and those who are younger under the authority of the elders. And then finally, or thirdly, Peter says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. So if you didn't think you were an elder or a younger, I'm afraid this is definitely for you now, all of us. Um, no one's off the hook. So notice, yeah, he says this isn't something to be done in isolation. This is something that we do as a community. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. And this is an active verb, isn't it? It's not passive. It's not, you know be clothed with humility, let it happen. It's No, we choose, we clothe ourselves with humility um, in all situations, even if we don't feel like it. You know, we are to clothe ourselves with humility. We're supposed to wrap ourselves in it so that it's brought into everything we do. And humility is choosing to see the value in other people above your own desire to be recognized or satisfied. And it's really hard to do, to be honest. Um, you know, we're all warring, well, I am, I assume we're all warring with these desires, you know, to be liked, to be thought well of, to have a good reputation. And it's really wonderful when people think we're humble and they say, oh, isn't he such a humble guy? And you say, oh, yeah, that's brilliant. But, you know, it's not really humility, is it? Um, it's much harder to choose to be humble and no one even notice or recognize you're doing it in secret. And so, yeah. Every day we're, we're faced with the opportunity to act out of pride or humility. And the word humility comes up, I think, 73 times in the Bible. So it's obviously important. So I'd just like to yeah, spend a little bit of time saying why. There's three reasons why. And firstly, if we read on in our passage, the last line of today's passage is, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. So that's a pretty good reason, isn't it? God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. And when we talk about pride in this context, you know, it's not the, um, you know, a healthy sense of pride in your accomplishments and things like that. It's a selfish desire to elevate yourself, um, inflate yourself above other people. And so it says, yeah, God opposes the proud. Um, and the, the word opposes is like to reject the entire makeup of it. And God just, he can't work with pride. That's how he feels about it. And pride shuts the door to his grace. That's what we learn from this. And pride isn't just, you know, a gesture of, um, you know, huge selfish acts. It's actually a really subtle thing. It's a really sneaky thing. It, um, yeah, it pops up everywhere and here, there. That's not an expression, is it? Um, yeah, you know, just 
I was reflecting on this and thinking about it, and yeah, maybe it's that just needing to win an argument over a completely trivial thing. It's like, oh, I must be right about this. Um, not giving up. Or maybe it's, you know, not apologizing because, you know, oh, the other person is just as at fault as me. You know, I'm not going to apologize first. All these little things. Um, maybe it's not letting people see your flaws and you're trying to build this, you know, reputation of yourself and not letting people in. That's pride as well. And pride is contrary to the way of Christ. And if pride shuts the door to his grace then humility is the door through which his grace can flow. It says he shows favor to the humble. And again, this word humble, the Greek word charis, it can mean grace, it can mean kindness, but it can also mean God freely extends himself or he leans towards or is inclined to. And I just I love that phrase. God is inclined towards humility. Secondly, humility is the heart of Christ. And there's only two words in all of scripture um, where Jesus describes his own heart, uh, his own kind of core being and identity. And we can find this in Matthew 11:28 to 30. You might know it. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And this is it. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Um, yeah, it's a really familiar passage, but until very recently, I'd never noticed this at all, that Jesus says that. Um, it's not my own thought. I got it from a book. It's called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. Would massively recommend it. And it's, yeah, it's so interesting that Jesus uses these two words. He could have said so many things, like he was powerful and able to heal. He was, you know fully loving and kind and honest and all of that stuff and that'd be completely true but he chooses to use these two kind of weak sounding words um, gentle and lowly so Jesus why did he choose these words and I'd like to just share this portion from the book which really blew my mind and Dane Orland says the point in saying Jesus is lowly is that he is accessible for all his resplendent glory and dazzling holiness his supreme uniqueness and otherness. No one in human history has ever been more approachable than Jesus Christ. I love that. No one in human history has ever been more approachable than Jesus Christ. And Jesus came not to be a dictator, although, you know, he actually had every kind of right and quality and qualification to do so. You know, he came in some paradoxical way. He came to be an equal. He came as a human. He came to be a friend as well as our saviour. And Philippians 2, 5 to 8, probably says it better than anywhere else, if you want to read with me. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. He made himself nothing. You know, out of eternity, he chose that decision to make himself nothing, to become a man and become like one of us. Jesus chose the way of humility. And it's the same language. You know, it's this active verb, verb. Clothe yourself. He chose. So Jesus chose the way of humility in every situation. And, yeah, finally on this, humility is always for a purpose. And I was thinking... Actually, humility for the sake of humility is actually pride, isn't it? 
which is kind of a, a brain teaser. Um, but Jesus wasn't humble for the point of being humble. But humility enabled him to fill the purpose that he had over his life. Um, and as Ed said last week, Mark 10:45, for the Son of Man came to, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If Jesus' purpose to give his life, to take our place, to take our, our shame and our sin, that was the purpose of his life. And for Jesus to do this, he just needed so much humility. It's absolutely mind-blowing. You know, there's nothing fun about Jesus' purpose. You know, he left the throne of heaven. He left constant worship of angels and unity with perfect love. And he came to earth um, as a man. And, you know, it cost him everything, didn't it? When he was up there on the cross being mocked, he didn't stay up there for humility's sake. He stayed up there for our sake. And humility was necessary for him to fulfill his purpose. And that was Jesus' purpose. So what about our purpose? What is it all about? Maybe you agree with me, maybe not. But I think the bottom line is um, our purpose here is to belong to and to advance God's kingdom. See everyone touched by his love and brought into relationship with him. That's our purpose. So why is humility important? Why do we need that? Um, well, firstly, the way we relate to God, actually, you know, our first instance, our encounter of God, it's one of repentance. When we meet God, we meet his perfect holiness, his love. You know, like Isaiah, we say, woe is me, I'm a, I'm a sinful man. And that's our response to God when we're met by him. Our first response is humility. And, you know, pride is actually a barrier to, to relating with God. People, you know, it's a lot to say, like, I need Jesus. I, I can't do this by myself. I am a sinful person. That's the first, um, first need for humility. And then secondly, humility is needed to have compassion on people. Um, either you see someone who's suffering or maybe someone who's kind of trapped in um, behavior that's harming them or other people. Um, humility is needed because, you know, to stop us from saying, you know, oh, that's how that person's doing like this, but actually oh, I'm so grateful I'm doing this and I'm, I'm this way, but actually look at them. You know, humility is like, no, we're all the same under God. Um, yep, but for the grace of God go I, you know. So, yeah, humility fuels our compassion and it fuels our evangelism. So just finally um, on this, just a couple of practical things. I'm sure you've got loads of things that you can tell me as well, but um, as I was preparing, I thought, of these things. So Richard Foster says, more than in any other single way, the grace of humility is worked into our lives through the discipline of service. So if you if you have a gift or if you have an attitude, you know, share it with this community. We're growing together in humility. Serve the local church, not for recognition, um, but for the building up of this family and for the expansion of his kingdom. And this is a really key thing as well that I found. You know, be prepared to offer your gift at any level. You know, not just when, you know, it's in, in the lights and um, when everyone can see it, but actually, you know, in the really mundane ways. Can we, can we serve each other? Can we outdo each other in serving um, to build up this body? The character of humility releases the power of our giftings. And as I, yeah, I'd like to just invite the band up, actually. We're going to respond in worship in just a sec. Um, but I'd like to finish just with an encouragement. Uh, because if Jesus wasn't 
humble, um, if he wasn't powerful and you know able to do all this, then this would just be hard work, to be honest, and we'd all be burnt out. And yeah, it's, it's hard work um, choosing the road of humility. But I just want to encourage you, you know, we do have a God who was present at the beginning of time. You know, he spoke planets into motion and he made us in love. And he was so grieved when we turned away, when we chose pride, that he came to dwell with us. He lived a life of poverty. He lived a life of humility to the extent that he would submit to being betrayed by one of his closest friends. He would be tortured and executed in a horrific way. And we have our crowns waiting for us in heaven, but only because he chose to wear his crown, you know, the crown of thorns that was pressed into his skull by soldiers. And yet, out of the despair of the tomb, he was raised and is now sitting at the right hand of God and he's dressed in his royal throne, his royal crown. And he says to us, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Come to me, no matter what you've done, no matter how you feel. Come to me. You know, if you've messed up this month, this week, even this morning, come to me. No matter if you feel a disappointment to yourself, to your family, come to me. If your past is still haunting you, come to me. No matter if you're worried, tomorrow is going to be exactly the same. I give grace to the humble, to the one who will just come to me. And Jesus, we come to you this morning again. Thank you that you, you're so accessible. The bar is so low to get to you. We just have to say we need you. And Lord, we do need you. I pray that you would, you would bless this community. You would help us to choose the way of humility like you did, like you perfected. And help us to keep our eyes on you. Amen.